have your Bibles, if you would, turn to anywhere you want in your Bible, and uh, that would be a great place for you to turn to. How many have something that you're, you, you would say, this is my favorite? How many have favorites? How many have a favorite girl? Guys, okay, all right. How many girls have a favorite guy? All right, all right, Mrs. R, thank you for raising your hand. I'm glad you finally did that. And uh, okay, we have our favorites. How many have a favorite color? Okay, what's your favorite color? Say it. Pink. A lot of you guys, I heard you say pink. Okay. And how many have a favorite car? My mama's car. That's what I drive. Okay. All right. You got a favorite car? And how many have a favorite restaurant to go to? All right. Uh, Texas Roadhouse. Okay. How about Chick-fil-A? Is that your favorite? Uh, McDonald's? Any McDonald fans? Number four. I remember that message. And uh, that was like three decades ago, right? All right. McDonald's, okay. Uh, Burger King? No. <laughs> Taco Bell? No. Okay, okay. Those are the cheap people. And um, how about In N Out? All right, now we're going to get serious right now. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to take a little survey here In N Out versus The Habit. Okay, let me ask a question. If you're for the habit, stand up. All right. Okay, all right, about 3,000. You may be seated. If you're for the in and out, stand up. That's about 50 people. Okay, you can be seated. All right, how many have a favorite baseball team? All right, that starts, I think, tomorrow, right? The, the, all right, shout out your team. Cubs, 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 all right, Cubs, all right. How many of you have a favorite football team? All right, all right let's not talk about that. We're, my team's a losing team. All right, what's your favorite ice cream? Here it is. You want your life to be changed forever? Are you ready? You, you have to write this down. Liquid nitrogen ice cream. Salted caramel. Your life will never be the same. You, 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 they're, they're not here in the valley. Our valley's not up to that level yet. Uh, but you write that down. Just Google it. Look for it. I know there's one in, in um, uh, La Quinta. And it's, our, it's, it's, it's our favorite place to go to, but liquid nitrogen ice cream. Your life will be transformed. How many have a favorite book of the Bible? All right. Mine is Philippians, so why don't you turn there. Philippians chapter number two. Of course, we know the theme for Philippians is joy or rejoice, and I love to rejoice. I love to have that, just the spirit of joy, and I believe that God's word brings that joy into our lives through knowing Christ as our Savior. But Philippians chapter number 2, I want you to look at verse number 12. Can we stand? Why don't you stand up? Because you guys are already hunkered down in your seats. And uh, Philippians chapter number 2, verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. 
Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, on whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I may not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Father, I pray that you bless our time today in your word. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would use us today in a very special way to impact our community with your message of salvation. And we ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. Of course, we know the theme of the book of Philippians. You may be seated. I remember, is Brother England in here? Is he awake yet? Is he in here? Where's Brother England at? Where's he at? He's not here. Do you remember when Brother England was, I don't know if he was a student, but he was preaching and he forgot to have us to sit. You remember that? And halfway through his message, we're all standing, you know, we're being obedient. And, um, and he's just, he was just waxing eloquently. Brother England, do you remember that? And about, about almost invitation time, he said, oh, oh yeah, be seated. You know, so, and I don't know why I thought of that, but. I'm glad you're seated, okay? Glad you're seated. But, Brother England, it's good to see you, buddy. Sure love you. Appreciate you. Glad you can make it to chapel, 817, right on time. I think that's demerits, don't you all think that? All right. But Philippians, I love the book of Philippians. I don't know why the first verse I ever memorized was Philippians 1-3. Look at it. The Bible says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. My girlfriend bought me a Bible, and that's the verse she wrote in there. <laughs> hey, that's my wife. Awesome. Yeah, I think she gave to my, our, my 16th, maybe 17th birthday, and she got me a Bible, and she wrote Philippians 1-3 in there. And uh, we just celebrate just uh, Monday, 41 years of marriage. And uh, thank the Lord for that. And... and Ever since then, I, that's why I love the book of Philippians. Of course, the crowning verse is Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So you would think, you know, the Apostle Paul would be writing this maybe from a timeshare in the Mediterranean Sea or somewhere like that. But no, he was in prison. Paul was writing this book and preparing this book for the people at Philippi and and he was in prison for what? For preaching the word of God. And, but Paul's life, even though it wasn't an easy life, was a life that was really focused on focusing on who Christ is and what Christ meant to him. And so because of that, he was able to experience joy in spite of his circumstances. And you think about Jesus in John chapter number 10 and verse number 10. Jesus reminds us that the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said this, I've come that you might have life. But that you might have it more abundantly. Now think about that. You know, the devil comes, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now you think about this, the big question is how can we live a life that has so many difficulties and challenges and upsets and defeats and discouragements, but still experience the joy that Jesus talked about and about the joy that the Apostle Paul talked about 
How can we experience that? And this morning, we're going to look, we're going to uncover three certainties that I pray that would be a help for all of us so that we won't lose our joy. If you allow me to say this, that we would keep our shout. Friday, I think it was Saturday night when we had the softball game. And uh, for some reason, I, for, uh, I forgot your name, the North Carolina fan. Uh, he's being quiet now because they lost. But dear, uh, Gavin, Gavin, I don't know what happened. I mean, we're, we're out there having a serious softball game, you know, staff against the students, and all of a sudden I saw this caution screaming and yelling, and I'm thinking, did he win the lotto or something? You know, I'm thinking, what is going on? And so I, so I walked over to him after the inning break, I said, why are you so happy? Oh, the Tower Hills won. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and he was all excited about that. But now his shout is pretty quiet now. You, he wasn't shouting Monday. I was listening for it, but I didn't hear it. The first half he was shouting. But the second half, his circumstances changed, and he lost his shout. I don't want you to lose your shout tonight or this morning. I don't want any of us to lose our shout. But how can we keep that shout? Number one is this. Our resources, our resources to live cheerfully. Look at verse number 12 in, the, in your Bibles there. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have not always obeyed, not in my presence only, but, also, but, much, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I love that word salvation, his gift of salvation. That word salvation means a deliverance. Aren't you thankful this morning that you've been delivered from the power of sin? I mean, what a wonderful gift. I remember as a teenager hearing about the gospel of Christ and being convicted about my sinful condition and realizing that I needed a Savior. And this was something that was offered to me through, blood, through, through Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. It wasn't something I worked for. It was not something I deserved. It was something that was given to me and uh, was presented to me. And I'm so thankful that I received that wonderful gift. Now, I'm sure we've received gifts that we didn't really enjoy in life, right? Did you ever get a gift? And you're like, what is this? I remember my daughter get me a gift for Christmas, and it was the, 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 the series of Anna Green Gables. <laughs> you know, why couldn't you get me, like, the series of Rambo or something? You know? But Anna Green Gables, okay? You probably don't know what that is, right? How many of you know what Anna Green... Oh, whoa, okay. All right. Brother Weaver, you didn't raise your hand. Okay. I'm going to give those eight tracks to you, okay? But it's amazing. She gave me... I looked at her and I said, Jenna? You know, I didn't want to hurt her feelings, but I'm thinking, Anna Green Gables? And then she said, well, Dad, I thought we could just watch these together. Okay, Jenna. And, um, you know, it wasn't one of my favorite gifts, but I'm thankful. Listen, the gift of salvation, listen, this gift is needed by everybody. I got a couple pictures up here. Here's my granddaughters. This is Jenna's two twins. And I think they're going to throw them up on the screen for us. And aren't they cute? And I think they're almost three years old now. That's Ella and Kara. Which one's which? I have no idea. They're identical twins. They were here for Christmas. And Ella... She rammed her head uh, into the table at her house and had a big mark here. So when they were here, I was able to tell which one was which. I was just looking at the forehead. That was Kara. She had a big black and blue mark. And then here, you, you, go back to the first slide. 
See how clean and presentable and cute and lovely they are. You know, that's our efforts in a sense of trying to be acceptable to God. You know, we try to get our lives kind of cleaned up. But you know, it's amazing, through life we get a little dirty, don't we? The next time, you know, there it is, you know, she's, I don't know what she's playing with, it's something that she probably shouldn't have been, and it's getting a little dirty, but now, if you have a weak stomach right now, close your eyes. All right, third slide. This is not Hershey's. That is called poop, okay? And she just... She just got it out of her diaper, and she was enjoying that. And, um, you know, it, it, you're not getting sick on me, are you? I just see that look on your face. I, I have a, a barf bag right here if you need it. But you know, there it is. I mean, you know, in a sense, here, that's all of us. Hey, listen, you know, our best attempts of looking good and presentable to God is just, just like that. There it is. And that's why what we're about to do is vitally important. Amen. Because our valley is filled of people all around us. They're making their best attempts to make themselves look presentable and look clean and look good. But in the sight of God, all it is, it's that right there. And it doesn't, listen, it doesn't matter. I mean, she's three years old. Now, she doesn't understand, you know, the gospel yet. But here it is. She has a sinful nature. She knew she shouldn't have done that, but she did it anyway for whatever reason. I'm sure she was acting like her dad. Amen. Um, but here it is, because we all, listen, we all need to be forgiven. There's not a perfect person in this room. And aren't you thankful that you've been forgiven? And we have that joy today to go out and tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is our greatest need. But not only do we need to be, we need to be forgiven, but listen, we can have all our sins be wiped away. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Those who, those who advocate salvation by works do only... Uh, do so only because they fail to understand that God's demands is God demands a perfect righteousness from us. But we know this that we are not able to achieve perfect righteousness. That's why Jesus came. He provided for us that perfect example, that sinless example, and, that, and only through Christ and what He did for us on the cross of Calvary. Can we earn, and I'm not earn, but receive the wonderful gift of salvation? The Bible says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Listen, personal joy comes into one's heart when you know, listen, that you've been forgiven. Man, there's joy in that. There's a sense of, 
uh, uh, just a, a peace, there's a, a fulfillment of, wow, my sins are washed away. Wow, God has forgiven me. I stand before God as being righteous and clothed in not my righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we could be presented to him as being spotless. Aren't you thankful for what Jesus did for us on the cross of Calvary? Now listen, because of that, listen, that's why we need to be busy about what we're going to do today. Because our valley is filled with people that need to know how they could be forgiven. That's the greatest need of mankind. Are you forgiven? I mean, even as believers, we, we, we might do something or say something, and we have to go somebody, and we say, Dr. Getz, will you forgive me? I was wrong in what I said to you. And you want that forgiveness. You don't want that guilt, that shame, that, that burden that you're carrying. You want to have that freedom. And listen, that, that freedom only comes from knowing Christ as our Savior and resting in the forgiveness that he offers to us. Listen, God's forgiveness is not earned, but freely given. Aren't you thankful that Jesus paid it all? Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Not too long ago, my wife said, let's go to a nice restaurant. Normally what that means is this, an expensive restaurant. Not Taco Bell, not even the Habit. But she said, let's go to a nice restaurant. My wife really enjoys uh, salmon, and she likes, there's a certain restaurant here in the Valley that their salmon is her favorite. And so we went, and I don't remember what, you know, special day it was, or I don't know if it was the, you know, the fifth anniversary of our, you know, whatever, I don't know. It wasn't like our anniversary or birthday or anything like that. She just wanted to have a, you know, a nice dinner together. So we went to this restaurant, and, and of course, you know, I look at, at the prices. How many of you are, you look at prices? You look, and I hate when it says, you know, MP. Some of you don't know what that is. That's market price. And in other words, they don't even want to put the price on the, the menu because it's too high. And, and, and so you kind of look at it and say, whoa, wow, this, this is not like going to In-N-Out. And, uh, and so we ordered. We had a great night. And, and uh, we even ordered dessert. Yeah, we, we ordered dessert. Only one because then we share because I'm, I'm, I'm a little cheap. You know? so I thought, well, I'm really hungry, but I'm not hungry. Honey. I'm kind of full, but we, you know, we could share this. And so we shared it. And then um, the lady came up to at the end and said, um, somebody paid your bill. Paid our bill? Can I have another dessert? <laughs> and I said, I said, do we owe anything? No. Everything has been paid for. I said, the tip? Everything is paid for. Whoa. Man, I tell you what, I walked out of there skipping and shouting. It was like, man, everything was Paid in full. Listen, more than that, that meal, it was a delicious meal. But your salvation is paid in full. Let's say that together. Ready? Paid in full. Your salvation has been paid in full. Listen, you don't owe anything. You don't owe 
It's something that's been given to you. Man, what a joy that is to know that our salvation is paid in full. But not only do we see the gift of salvation, but we see, second of all, the grace for our strength. His grace for our strength. In verse 13 it says, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. His grace energizes us so that we might be able to live like him. How many of you try to, you know, you try to muster up the, the Christian way? You, you know, you kind of, like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. And, and you kind of work at it. And, and sometimes it's kind of frustrating because maybe you don't have the energy or you don't have the excitement. And, and, you, and you, just don't, you just just don't have it today. But that's why God's for it is God which worketh in you. I, I enjoy racing. Cycling. Brother Gets, why don't you stand up for a minute? I'm going to use you as an illustration here. And um, we're both cyclists, okay? So if we're going to be in a race and we're going that way, all right, they call this in cycling drafting. Okay, not like the draft going in the military, all right? But drafting is, is this concept, okay? Listen, this is very important. See, when you're going forward, you have what they call a headwind. So even if there's no wind, you still got headwind from your, because you're moving forward. It's like when you're, you're riding your bike, you, I'm sure you felt it, that wind hitting you in your face because you're going forward, and you're getting a headwind. And the guy in the front takes most of that wind. And so the idea is this, is for, I'm going to let Brother Getch do all the hard work, and I'm going to draft right behind him. In other words, he might be putting forth 100% effort. He's taking the brunt of the wind, and I'm going to sit right behind him. And guess what? I'm only putting 70% effort. Every time he's grinding those gears and just turning those pedals, his 10, I might even just do maybe 5, maybe 6. Because I'm going to sit right behind him, and I'm going to draft from him. And then at the moment when he is just exhausted, his strength is gone, then I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pass him. That's how the Christian life is. What we need to do is we need to draft behind the Spirit of God. And then the Spirit of God, as he moves, we just follow. And guess what? It's not difficult. Because we're doing it in his strength, not ours. The problem with the Christian life, while we get frustrated and angry and tired and zapped out, I'll tell you why. Because we're not drafting. We're doing it in our own strength. We're trying to do it. Hey, can I tell you something? You can't do it. I can't do it. Dr. Getz can't do it. But listen, he can do it through us. For as God which worketh in you. It's God that works in us, that enables us to do his good pleasure. So we need, thank you, Dr. Gutsch. So what we need is God's grace to energize us, to equip us, to give us not even the, the ability, but also the desire. It is his grace that, look what the Bible says there. For it is to will. Sometimes we don't have the will. 
Sometimes we, we just don't want to do it. Sometimes we just, you know, sometimes we might just have a bad attitude. I'm sure none of you. Right? But sometimes, you know, it's, I just don't want to do this. I just, I just don't want it. And sometimes we need God's grace just to give us what? The desire. God, I need that desire back. I need that, that passion back. Lord, I need that hunger back. I need that thirst back. I need to have that love back. As Jesus talked about the church at Ephesus, you have lost your what? First what? Love. And all our hearts are so prone to wander. And sometimes we just need to pray, Lord, give me that want-to back. Give me that desire where I want, you know, I want to roll up my sleeves and I want to just go out there and I want to do that work for you. Sometimes we just need to pray for, Lord, give me that desire back in my heart that I want to live and serve and, and pour my life out for you. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. Lord, I need that desire back. But then he says, not only will I give you the will, but then he says, I'll give you the strength to do it. Whoa, you're talking about grace. Hey, that's what we all need to be infused with. We need to get an IV of his grace flowing through our lives today so that we can get behind and draft from the Holy Spirit of God. So we would just kind of like be walking on cloud nine. Like Gavin was on Saturday night when the Tar Heels won. Man, he was jumping around. He was jumping around. I think, what in the world? Now listen. God must do that work in us before he could do that work through us. Listen, this principle is seen throughout the Bible. We see it in the life of Moses. He was on the backside of the desert for 40 years. I, I hope it doesn't take us 40 years to get a hold of this. Amen? Amen? We see God doing a work in David. He used Saul and his jealousy and his hatred and his envy. But God was doing a work in the heart of David. The Apostle Paul being persecuted and stoned and beaten. But God was building a man. Listen, God desires to build each and every one of you. I don't know about you, but I know in my own personal life, the building normally takes place during difficult times. Not during the high times. But normally during those low times. Those valleys. When disappointments come into your life. Maybe times of loss. Maybe some times of defeat. It's at those times that we realize how much we need God. And we know all things work together for good. To them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. God is more interested in the workman than in the work. Hey, you're all going to do a great work for the hunt. But get, listen, may I say this? God's more interested in you. Amen. Number two, we see the resilience to live carefully. This will be, I'll be quick on this. 
But verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We see a clear mandate. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Philippians 2, 3, the Bible says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. In Psalms 106, verse 25, but, murmured, but they murmured in their tents, and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. You know what the mandate is? Stop complaining. How many are good complainers? Are you good complainers? The weather, it's too cold. Yesterday was too hot. Tomorrow's going to be too windy. Maybe teachers, maybe you know, towards your teachers, he or, te- or he or she is too hard. Or they're too easy. Their tests are unfair. Maybe your roommate. They're too clean or they're too messy. They're too bossy. They're too lazy. They go to bed too early. They go to bed too late. She snores. Or, I mean, he snores. <laughs> the food doesn't taste good. It's too spicy. It's not enough. It's not hot. It's too cold. Now, we're, we're pretty good at complaining, aren't we? Gas prices are too what? Too high. How about the hunt? I don't like my team leader. I could do better. I'm too busy. I'm tired. This is stupid. I don't even like Easter eggs. You need to get saved. (laughs) Philippians 2.14, do all things what? Uh, Let's do all things with what? Without murmuring. Do all things without murmurings. And then we see a compelling motivation in this verse 15. The Bible says there that you may be blameless and harmless. That's amazing. I don't know if you take notes in your Bibles, but blameless is without duplicity. Sincere. Not being double-minded. We know what James says. A double-minded man is what? Instable in all his ways. We need to have a singleness of mind. I like what Paul said, this one thing I do. So we need to be blameless and then harmless is without any mixture of deceit. Without any defiling material. Here it is. (laughs) Without wrinkles. Do you ever get a shirt, or a lady, maybe a dress, and it had some wrinkles in it? And you thought, well, that's not too bad. And you wear a coat. And then, then you're kind of paranoid the whole day, like, man, is anybody going to notice my shirt's a little wrinkled? And you figure about halfway through the day, you don't care because you've been wearing it. But it's just maybe that first hour class, you try to make sure it looks all clean and straight and pressed. Some of you don't what? You don't care. It's just wrinkled. 
But God's word tells us, hey, listen, we need to be blameless and we need to be harmless. The reason why is because we live in a crooked and perverse nation. We live in an upside-down world. And the ministry for this church and for every believer is that we would provide a straight model for this world. When I was in high school, the word straight meant he or she was not active sexually. God's word is calling us to live straight. Not crooked, but straight. So we see our resources to live cheerfully. We see our resilience to live carefully. And lastly, number three, our resolve to live courageously. Look at verse number 16. Verse 15, the last part, whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We need to realize that we have a purpose. And our purpose is simply this, to shine in this world. I want you to take your cell phones out. I'm sure all of you have them, right? Got your cell phones out? All right. Now, how many of you, now if you have a flip phone, you probably can't do this. All right, does anybody have a flip phone? All right, nobody? Okay. All right, now I want you to find your light. Come on, son. Some of you got your light out. You got your light? Yeah, it's. I can see your lights. You know what? Since we're all lights in here, it's not like we're making a big difference. Okay, turn the lights off for me. Now look at these lights. Our lights are what? Are defeating the darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world. I know some of you dating couples right now here. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. R, no smooching in chapel. Come on. I guess you're married. You're okay. Jesus is the light of the world. And you want to know something? Each and every one of you your lights. And God wants our light to so shine. Now the question is this, are you going to allow your light to shine these next few weeks? Starting today, and Friday and Saturday, and all of next week leading into Easter. You can turn the lights on in the auditorium, thank you. But God's called us to shine. Let your light so shine before men. Every believer in this room is a light. But what happens is we allow this world to put out our light. And it hinders our light from shining. 
So now we are to, sh- to shine, but we are to share. That word term, that term holding forth the word of life. That word hold means to observe, to have, to hold towards. So as we have the wonderful gift of salvation, we hold this. We have it, don't we? But the Bible says here to hold forth. In other words, holding forth the word of life. We, we need to hold it forward to somebody. It may be an adult today. It may be a, a, a six-year-old or a sixth grader this coming Friday night or Saturday morning. But we want to hold forth the word of life. So each and every one of us, for us to shine, we have to share. We got to hold forth the word of life. So the goal for us today is simply, simply this, is let's take the light of the gospel and let's shine it in every part of this valley. Let's take the word of truth and let's go to every house. Let's go to every person. Let's talk to every person that we possibly can. And let's tell them about the wonderful grace of Jesus so that they might know what? The forgiveness that you and I rejoice in today. As we think about the hunt, it starts this Friday night at 6 o'clock. Then we have two on Saturday at 10.30 and at 1. Where's Charlie Johnson? I've been looking for Charlie. I haven't seen him. Where's he at? Charlie, are you in here? Charlie? He's not here. Someone text Charlie. He overslept. Charlie not here? All right, James, you're here, right? James, okay, stand up. Is Noah Stevens? Where's Noah at? Is that Charlie back there? Okay, all right. Is Noah? No, it's Noah, okay. Is Charlie back there too? He was, okay. Now, these guys have been doing a great job in leading this. Now, how many of you there, I think there's nine bus captains that's working with James. If you're one of these bus captains, stand up. You're helping them, okay? Should be nine of you if you're all here. I, okay, stay standing. All right, Noah's here. How many are on Noah's team? You're going to be doing the Jethawks on April 15th. Stand up if you're a part of his team. Okay, these are the leaders. All right. Now stay, stay standing. Stay, stay. Don't, don't sit yet. Okay, if you're on Charlie's team, and you're one of his team leaders, stand up. Stay, everybody stay standing. Don't, don't, don't sit down. Come on. Each of these guys and ladies have really rolled up their sleeves, and they've, they've gone the second mile. And I want to thank you for that. Some might be the game team. Some might be the snack team. Some might be the security team, the greeter team, the secretarial team, the counseling team, the preaching team. David, stand up. You're part of the... If you're one of the preachers, stand up. If you're going to be teaching God's word during the hunt. Listen, they've they rolled up their sleeves and they said, hey, 
we're in. Now, for those who are sitting down, that not, I'm not saying that you haven't done anything, but listen. When we all stand now, we all need a part, part of it. Everybody stand. We all need to say, you know what? We got to roll up our sleeves today. We need to go out in our out in the fields. We got to make those last, you know, encouragement and, and challenging and say, hey, why don't you come to the hunt? Why don't you come to Easter? We need to get people, people pre-enrolled and pre-registered for the buses and for the, for the hunt and then encouraging people to come to the Easter celebration. He said, why do we do this? Because everybody needs to be forgiven. Everybody. Doesn't matter what side of the tracks they live on. Doesn't matter. Just like my two little granddaughters, they're sinners. And they need forgiveness. And every person that we come in contact with today needs that forgiveness. But we cannot do this in our own strength. We need God's grace.